Well, good morning. We're back in the studio today for our um, podcast, and we have with us Reverend Han from Interfaith Ministries, who we've known for quite a few years. You've been a part of many of our soirees, and you've been a great friend to Houston Pet Set. So welcome, Reverend Han. We also have Tama, of course, um, co-host or co-presidents of Houston Pet Set. Um, Reverend Han, tell us a little bit about Interfaith Ministries um, and what you do there. First again, it's it's a it's an honor to be here with you. I've really enjoyed our partnership over the last few years. Um, as uh, Interfaith Ministries, we describe it as Houston's oldest interfaith ser- service organization. We trace our heritage back into the 1950s, but really um, 1969 when we were founded as Houston Metropolitan Ministries. But no matter when or what, dialogue, collaboration, and service, and the strength of shared beliefs has been at the center of our work. And over the last 50-plus years, Interfaith Ministries has been um, has done a variety of social, social, direct social service work. Right now, our two major social service um, um, outreaches are, number one, we run Texas's largest Meals on Wheels program for mostly Harris and Galveston counties and, and a couple of other counties as well. We're one of the top 10 largest in the United States. The other one uh, is our refugee services resettlement program. The other two areas are um, at, right after her, uh, Hurricane Harvey, we folded Volunteer Houston into our family of services, which is a major, um, again, a, 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 a major force in getting people who want to volunteer connected with people who need volunteers. Uh, volunteer Houston is also very active with um, in disaster response. Uh, it was particularly with with um, with uh, activating. Um, volunteers. And then finally, the area out of where I work out of is interfaith relations and community partnerships. Um, a lot of work with Houston's faith communities, uh, as well as a, a, a variety of nonprofits, do a lot of religion education, a lot of kind of interreligious, intercultural education, a lot of connecting, a lot of relationship building, which um, has been very important, particularly through COVID, uh, when there's been a lot of need and we've done a lot of wonderful work connecting across across many different parts of the city. Mm-hmm. I was thinking how, how much that kind of um, parallels what Houston Pet Set does a little bit, just in that you bring those faiths together, and we hope that we bring some rescues together and really all about collaboration. So just never made that connection or that that um, comparison before, Reverend Hahn. Yep, that is. I think that's a very good, very good analog. And I think just I'm the director of interfaith relations and education, and have been at interfaith now for almost seven years. Mm-hmm. Well, and um, the way that Houston Petsat got connected with interfaith was through the Animals program. Do you want to mm-hmm. just touch on that briefly? Absolutely. I remember the first time that we met. It was, uh, I think, a cold January or February at a uh, at a a. a dog house or a dog shelter building event, which was just wonderful. Probably about 10, 11 years ago, um, uh, through again, through our Meals on Wheels work, we recognize that, and it makes sense, many, many of our Meals on Wheels clients are clients because they're older, food vulnerable, and socially isolated. So many of them had faithful companions, mostly dogs and cats. Um, but for a variety of reasons, didn't have the the ability or the resources to 
to add to get adequate food for their pets. So there were many stories about our clients feeding part of their human meal to their pet. And of course, we just couldn't have that happen. So Animals on Wheels was was created to address this need to take care of the the faithful companions that take care of our clients. Yeah. Uh, and so that's that's turned into not just hundred thousand pounds of pet food, mostly dog and cat food, but it's turned into also events where um, we'll do vaccination clinics. We'll do health checkups with, you uh, know, in, in partnership with uh, veterinary organizations. So it's not just about the food, but about finding ways to provide for the overall health of, again, these faithful companions that take care of our wonderful Meals on Wheels clients. Well, and we know that um, with 90% of pet owners considering their pet a family member, not just a pet, but a family member, it's just as important to feed those animals as it would be, say, if they had children. And, and I'm, not, I'm, trying, I'm not comparing children to animals, but for these people who are isolated, who they might only have a dog or a kitty or both in their, in their everyday household, it's so important to take care of these animals for so many reasons. Um, and we're so, so grateful to you to recognize that need so many years ago and fill that gap that is, that is much needed in our community. No. Well, thank thank you. I, and again, our Houston Pet Set has been just again a wonderful partner in um, in 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 being in identifying resources and just again being a great collaborator in this space as well. Um, for the, as as you often say, for the animals. animals. Yes. I remember that that Saturday years ago, Reverend Hahn. I think it was 2018, if if my memory serves me well. But you came out and it was a cold January day and we were building dog houses and um, it was a great program and and assembly lines were formed and a lot of of work, good work was done. But at the end, you spoke about the animals and you even blessed the dog houses going into these homes and you blessed the animals and you spoke about animals in a way that I've never heard anybody else talk about animals. So being a man of faith and an ordained um, called man of God, if I may use that term. um, Sure. Okay. um, Talk to us about how you think God would want us um, I guess taking care of these animals, one of his most vulnerable creatures, and um, you know, some something we domesticated, so we sort of had this responsibility. But what do you think about our moral and ethical responsibility to these animals? Sure. Um, well, there there are so many. Um, uh, I'm not even sure necessarily. I, I guess I'll just begin at the beginning, out of again, um, out of out of a, a sacred text that is shared by both um, again Jews and Christians of the, the story of creation, and just the the reminder uh, that that humanity was given not the rights but the responsibilities to care for creation. And when we're talking about the created order, the word often is that in English is dominion, but it's far more a sense of stewardship. And especially as we enter, as we're in really the realm of what some scientists call the kind of the Anthropocene era, where no longer are we kind of thinking about geologic eras, but we're talking about an era that is really um, where the world is deeply influenced and affected by, by human activity. I think that even deepens 
the and and makes more serious that obligation that humanity has toward for for caring towards creation and particularly the community um, throughout again Christian and Hebrew scriptures we the, the talks about all of creation celebrating the goodness of God. When God looks down on creation, he said, you know, God says that all was in the word in Hebrews told everything was good. And so thinking about the whole of created, the created order being, we, we're having an obligation and particularly through again, the domestication and the, the pet process. Um, we certainly have that moral responsibility to care for um, animals that um, can't care for themselves and that are so, it's so easy for them to be mistreated, uh, which just deepens our obligation. There are a, a score of other examples. Again, I often use with an Islam out of Surah 6, the, the notion that the Ummah, the community, there is, is that, that, that animals are implied to be part of that community and have the love of the creator and therefore also um, a human obligation of caring and being respectful towards, uh, again, the rights of, of animals as well. Well, you think about the way dogs um, and cats and animals that are domesticated and companion animals, even horses, sometimes goats, cow, yep. you know, um, you think about the way that they love. And it's very close to the way that we we think of God's love. It's with forgiveness. It's with yep without bounds. It's with deep compassion. Um, and it's mutual. I mean, it's so easy to love something that loves you so much and gives so little, so or that we have to give so little to, and they give so much to us. The same same way God that I think of God's love. So, um, you know, I, I don't want to be sacrilegious, but my dog is, is is my heavenly love in some some ways. Yeah. You know, I feel like he's a little slice of heaven. Just like when my son was born, I felt like he brought a slice of heaven right into my world with him because there was so much magic around him. And, you know, there's so much magic, I think, around the love of animals yeah. and, and the way that the feelings that they can elicit that nobody else or nothing else really can elicit out of us as human beings. You know. Absolutely. I think the other the, the other thing too is that um, how we care for animals is a reflection of our own kind of humanity. It's not just sort of an ethical obligation, but I think um, uh, how we care for animals is a reflection on our own ethical and spiritual health as individuals and also as a society. So it's not just, I think, and that as I'm looking at it again, as we're, as, as we're here in COVID and kind of in our homes, looking at my own pets who have settled in around me, um, the, the, the care for them as a ref, and, and the, and the reflection of the, the love that they, they, they give to us, but they are in many ways also how we care for them and ethical sort of a, an ethical assessment of our own ethical health as a society. Exactly. And I think Gandhi was the one that put it into words and that so many people um, reference many times that that the uh, measure of a society can be based on how it treats its animals. Yep. And, you know, we you look at different societies, different communities, and how they do that, and it varies. It varies within our state. It varies within our city. You go in different neighborhoods and animals are treated differently in different neighborhoods. Um, it varies throughout the state. It varies throughout the country. And when I moved here from Minnesota, um, I was amazed at the number of animals 
on the streets. I thought that they were following me. I thought that I had found my calling and <laughs> all these animals were finding me. And I started carrying leashes and rescue kits in my trunk. And then I made my husband do it. And, you know, that I, I then recognized the difference in, in cities. And it's not just the people. There are um, outside influences that we have a a topography that allows animals to live outdoors. We have a climate that allows animals to live outdoors. So it's not just that, but um, I think that throughout our our country, we look at animals differently. And uh, is that something that you have seen? Do you recognize that? I do. And again, one of the things that I've been so grateful to to Houston Pet Set for is that I have my eyes have been opened to. I have been familiar with animal adoption and different animal care and welfare and adoption agencies, but um, I was totally unaware of the importance of legislation and being active at the civic and at the governmental level. And um, just some of the laws that are either in place or not in place, that are in place that, or really that are not in place that could help protect animals. Um, I, I think about some, you know, leash laws, out the kind of the uh, out, just the outdoor laws that I think for many people became so crystal clear in their importance through our winter storm. Yes. And just I can only imagine some of the again the the hard work, the important work that you did through the winter storm, but also some of the heartbreaking work, and that how some of some legislation and enforcement of that legislation could have made many pets' lives more pleasant and probably saved many lives as well. So I appreciate your work at the legislative level, that behind-the-scenes level that I was never aware of to, 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 um, to create systems to address systemic issues in, in, in animal care and animal welfare. Many of them, I would hope, just very common sense and just basic compassion. That's a basic compassion. It is. It's, it's just taking care of things so that they don't suffer. Like you do with the people with your, your um, meals on wheels. We, we don't want to see anybody suffer. It goes back to what you're saying about the dominion and and that calling that we have. And also what do we want to look like as a society? You know, when, when Houston is mentioned, do you want to be known for your medical center and your sports teams and your oil and gas industry? Yes. Diversity. What's that? Diversity. Diversity. Of course. Beautiful diversity here. But then when you come here Mm -hmm. and you see these strays, you think, oh, wow. But there's this sort of uncivilized element of this great society that we don't have maybe in other parts of the country and certainly not in other parts of the world. And of course, we do have it in other parts of the world. Houston has been compared to a third world country when it comes to how we treat our strays. And so, um, yeah, we just we need to, to get back to that being civilized and, and what does Houston want to be known for? We, we got, we're so great at so many things. Let's right. be great at how we care for our animals. It's one of those problems that is so solvable here. And we could we could fix with the right with the right stakeholders, with the right attention, with the right funding. It's one of those problems that could easily be fixed in Houston and elevate our I guess our reputation in in this in this world. Yeah, and again, and that is where I think sort of the collaborative and the connecting and the kind of the the, the big picture effort of Houston Pet Set is so important because I'm sure there are many many organizations that are working in this area, but your um, your ability to see kind of all of the work 
how the, all the work is, 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 is happening and uh, you know, ways to collaborate and to coordinate is absolutely essential, especially in a city that will, you know, is either number four, most likely number three in population after the, after, after the census comes out and is again, widespread and with a climate that is, is, is conducive to pets being outside year round. Yes. I'm so glad you brought up legislation. That was a great answer. Um, we learned that out of 1,100 cities in the state of Texas, only 200 have ordinances that protect animals, which is why we've been working so hard at the state level to change the laws. Rather than go city by city by city, we need legislators to um, step up and make a difference um, for animals. And the legislation that we've worked on is not radical. It basically says, we just want adequate shelter for animals. We want pets. We want to make sure that dogs have water that's drinkable, that they're fed regularly, that they're not left on the ends of chains in a hurricane, in a rainstorm, which we get seems like every other week, mm-hmm. um, and in these freezing cold temperatures. And we have we have watched animals die in all of these weather elements, and it's, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought up legislation. That is, we say where we can't um, – where educate. we can't educate, we legislate. And so that's a critical, critical piece to what we do. And we're so grateful for another partner, THLN, that's taken the lead on that. So um, I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Okay. I guess we got a little pause. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> the beauty of recording. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, let's talk about the progress that you see or don't see in our city with your animals program um, and with, with you brought up earlier, all of the rescue groups that Houston Pet Set works with. We're so great, grateful to those groups. There are 70 plus that we work very closely with on the front lines every day. We're so, so grateful. We cannot imagine what our streets would look like without these groups um, really, really working in the trenches. But um, what do you see? You know that we have all these nonprofits. We have 60 to 70 million by the private nonprofit sector going into this every year. And when I say this, I mean our animal homeless problem. Um, And, you know, you're one of those groups working to keep pets in homes, not on the streets, not in the shelters. What do you think the climate is right now? Are things better? Are things worse? Um, that's a good question, uh, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll try to answer as best I can. Let me start kind of local with, I think, with the success of Animals. We just had our, our Wags and Whisker, Whiskers annual uh, fundraiser, which was virtual and done at the Lone Star Flight Museum, which was really fun and very successful. And I think that um, Animals on Wheels has been a huge success story for, for interfaith ministries in addressing and uh, seeing a need and addressing a need. And in, in addressing that need has really made a difference in the lives of our Meals on Wheels clients with how important uh, and the, uh, the, the, the pets are to the, to the, to the health and companionship of, of, our, of our Meals on Wheels clients. I think what also has been successful is that need has uh, we we've we we've addressed that need in growing ways where we could have stopped in many ways at food. And that would have been a great success story. Um, finding ways to treat and to address the overall health of our 
meals, really our Anna Meals on Wheels clients has been a great success story, whether, whether it's these, um, these uh, veterinary clinics, or even at certain points for uh, clients who can't bring them, we'll go get them and bring them to a, to a vet veterinary clinic or grooming clinics, all sorts of things um, to be able to see the need and then find ways to partner and expand that need. So I would say that there are a lot and a lot of success stories in, in addressing the needs. Um, I would say that, and this particularly in attending your annual galas over the last few years and hearing stories has really opened my eyes to the many success stories. Those are just such wonderful events, but also the pressing need. Um, I would probably say that the needs are around the fact that we are a growing city, an expanding city, and that just means more ground probably for y'all to cover when it comes to um, animal welfare, um, education, awareness, uh, that for every neighborhood that you go into, uh, it seems that there are three or four more that are just that, that also need that, that sort of that sort of uh, assistance. Um, and I would probably also say, and I would love to hear uh, if, if this rings true, that um, sometimes it's hard to get uh, our pets the, the attention at least the legislative attention that we feel that they deserve. And again, it, you're not asking for people to build palatial estates in their backyards for their pets. I think you're asking for some common sense, just humane, um, uh, you know, a treatment. And then I would also probably say I would, one of the challenges then is enforcement. Um, uh, uh, once these really, you know, wonderful and important changes and laws that happen, um, how those get enforced. So um, I think those are probably the growing edges of, of the, of addressing, I think the, the, the uh, obligations and responsibilities we have to these, to these companions who, through again, no, no, through no fault of their own, often find themselves in really precarious situations. Yeah, yeah, agree with that. And I think with um, with COVID last year, with the sh- with the shutdown basically of our economy, um, with the winter storm that we had in February, I think we've never seen the need as great as we see it right now for the yeah. animals. And so we do have that that challenge in front of us. And that's even after years and millions of hours and million, hundreds of millions of dollars of hard work going into this and to go through all of that and put all of it into it. And then because of the shutdown, because of the storm, we're at a worse place than we've ever been. It can yeah. be a little discouraging, but at the same point, the foundation is laid for yeah. some really good things to happen. Mm-hmm. We have stakeholders for the first time in this city considering this because we've talked about it as a quality of life issue. It's a public safety and public health issue. Yep. It's affecting our citizens in a very negative way, not to mention the suffering that is happening to these animals on the streets. They don't want to yep. be out there. They are nope. suffering. They're not squirrels, yes. you know, doing their little squirrel lives. They are <laughs> they are struggling hour by hour, day by day. And so, um, but the foundation has been laid to help them because we have been doing this work for years because the rescue group have been doing this work and propping it up as best as they can. But now with legislation, hopefully changing this year with our city and our county, hopefully looking at this with commissioners, county commissioners and city council members considering this, with this being a conversation at important 
um, in, in bigger, more important conversations, not more important, but bigger conversations in our city when we're talking about families that need help um, and in complete communities. And now dogs are being, dogs and cats are being considered a part of that conversation. That foundation that takes so long to, lo- to lay yeah. is finally there so that we hope we don't have that long haul that we do to seeing great success and seeing good outcomes for these animals and for the people yeah. of Houston. Absolutely. And I'm wondering if there's another kind of more timely concern as well. I've, I've seen in the newspaper about people who who adopted pets during COVID as their home now looking to return pets. Uh, and that is that that feels quite, quite troubling. Uh, and I, I just wanted to raise that if that's a concern for you all right now as well, if you're seeing that. It, it is. We, in fact, Jill from our office started looking at data on shelter intake yesterday and um, yes, it, it, it does look like it's the case that there is an increase in the number of owner surrenders, as they're called. And yeah. so, yeah, very troubling. A, a, a pet isn't a, a, a thing of convenience. It's not, yeah. is it convenient for you or not? It is a, it's a lifetime commitment. Yeah, and so absolutely. people need to recognize it. And we could get into a whole nother dialogue about $5 <laughs> adoptions and not putting value on animals and 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 you know, kind of creating this fast purchase type um, environment when it comes to rescue animals that just doesn't work. So, no, people need to recognize that it's a lifetime commitment, the lifetime of the animal. It It's not an inexpensive commitment. You know, they need veterinary care. They yeah. need health. So I'm glad you brought that up. COVID yeah. has really changed the landscape for so many things and kind of peeled back the curtain on a lot of things and it's it's just it's it's created new challenges but it's also created new opportunities new opportunities yeah. absolutely so we need to to look at the positive side yeah. one thing that you've done and I don't know if, if this is appropriate now but one thing that you you've done is you with your blessings you've inspired us and when we do our transports we transport animals from Harris County Animal Shelter and other groups every other week to northern states where they have mm-hmm. um, they don't have enough rescue animals, we bless the bus. And so even if we're not there, we ask one of our team members, we say, when the bus pulls out, say a little blessing over our bus, over the heartbeats on the bus, over our drivers, over the vet techs, because they all matter. They all matter. And so thank you for inspiring us to bring, to bring that, to inspire, that inspiration into the work that we do. We always know that it's faith-driven, that it's God-driven, but you've always inspired us. Well, thank you. I, it's, I'm inspired by your work. I think, and, and and that that reminds me. If there's, I think, out of out of my comments, if there's, I think, one key message. Um, we often can think about caring for pets kind of out of sentimentality. We look at our pets as I'm looking at one of my cats right now and think, oh, how cute. Um, but I, and I, I think the real, the most important message is, is that the sense of, again, moral and ethical yeah. obligation and the divine obligation as well to part of the created order. So um, I, one of the things that I so deeply appreciate out of the work of Houston Pet Set is that it's not just let's take care of animals because they're really cute. It's let us take care of animals because of an obligation, of a responsibility, of uh, it is a reflection on our own 
kind of uh, emotional and ethical health. Uh, and that there, and it's also common sense when it comes to one other very important aspect of public health and community health as well. So thank you for all the work that you do as well for, in, in those realms. Thank you. I remember when we were young, and even when we were old, our dad always said that the churches have a bit of a responsibility in the community. It's not just about religion, but it's about caring for the community and caring for the congregation. And you guys do that so well. You do that so, so well. And every time I think of Interfaith Ministries, I'm reminded of him reminding us, I guess, and um, reminding us to do that. And if we got anything out of our religion when we were growing up, it was that we do need to take care of our community. It is a responsibility. And you just said what he what he said to us at a very young age. So it seems like sometimes we come full circle on these things. Yeah. But thank you so much. And you brought up another good point, which is September the 10th, our soiree. So I um, hate to ask you on camera, but you can answer later. But we'd love to have you there once again to bless us, bless the work we do, bless the rescue groups that we support, bless our supporters who support us so we can support those rescue groups so they can take care of the animals. Animals because it takes all of us. It takes this village. It takes a village to help these animals, to help those those people you are feeding every day and to care for the animals that they care about so much. So um, we hope that we can see you again this year. You speak about animals uh, unlike anyone I've ever heard. And, and we're so grateful to you. So grateful our paths have crossed with you, Reverend Hahn. Would it- I am as well, and I'll make sure to put it on my calendar. Would it be appropriate? Have we ever, has anyone ever closed a podcast with a blessing? But would you say a little blessing over the work that our rescue partners do? I, I would be happy to. I'd ask you to, for you and for all who will listen to this podcast, to please join in a spirit of prayer, of goodwill, in however way that is comfortable to you. A uh, source of truth, of compassion, of love, of, of, of called by many names, we are grateful for um, our faithful companions. And less, and and, and talking about not just the rights they may have, which we may disagree on, but the thing that we will all agree on is our our responsibilities towards these faithful companions, members of our communities, members of the created order that the divine presence has called good and has, in many faiths, called us to care for. And so we ask for blessing upon the compassionate, focused work of animal welfare organizations, and particularly for Houston Pet Set, for their convening, their collaborative, their connecting work that they do in our community that cares for our pets, that cares for these companions. For in caring for them, we truly are caring for ourselves in this wonderful relationship we have. As we often see on these, on on bumper stickers, who rescued whom? And that is so very true. Uh, We often know that the care that we and the love we feel from our pets helps to save us. And we can do no less than do our best to provide them just the, the care that they need in their lives. We're grateful in so many ways. We're grateful for to Houston Pet Set. Amen. We're grateful to you. Thank We're you. So grateful yeah. to you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bless you and bless the work that you do too. Thank you as well. And um, it's been wonderful to talk with you. Mm-hmm.